0: The Marvel films are very unrealistic. No, not the, ho- not the superhero stuff. Give it a few years, Elon Musk be flying around like Iron Man. That I can buy. No, they're unrealistic because in every single Marvel film, good triumphs over evil. At the end of every movie, the good guys win and the bad guys lose. That just doesn't happen in real life. Or so says comedian Phil Wang. And comedy seems to have this way of reading the pulse of society. And Phil's not alone in this sentiment. In fact, it really does seem like we live in an age of cynicism. This is in quite contrast to the optimism of the 90s when it seemed like we were heading for a better and brighter future. We had a booming economy, we had international cooperation, and liberty seemed to be leading us into an age of peace and prosperity. But these days, there seems to be a deep sense of emptiness, futility, and fatigue. It's easy to see why. When you open the news, it seems to be a never-ending stream of doom and gloom. We have slipped back into another recession. Energy bills are rising again. NHS waiting lists seem to just be getting longer and longer. Young people will never afford a house. There is yet another political scandal. More strike action, rises in drug use, rises in crime. Ukraine, Gaza, climate change, the list goes on and on. So what hope do we have for the future? What hope is there for the single mum struggling to keep her family warm and fed? What hope is there for the terminally ill? What hope is there for the ones who have lost loved ones? What hope is there for those living in communities ravaged by drugs and crime? What hope is there for those who have lost everything to war? What hope is there for those who feel that they've been let down by the system? So if we are cynical for the future, perhaps we need to ask, well, what do we hope in? What do we hope for? And is there, is there any or a sufficient reason to have hope? But before we do that, I would like to start by considering what we think when we use the word hope. What is hope? Well, when I say the word hope, you might think of a desire for change, a hope that's maybe beyond your power. You hope that the price of heating drops, You hope that your loved one's health improves. You hope that those NHS waiting lists come down. You hope that our politicians can work together or that the conflict in Ukraine and Gaza can find a solution. You hope for change towards a better future. Or you might think of hope as a real expectation for the future as a result of your hard work. For example, the farmer preparing his fields and planting crops he has a real and tangible hope that he will get a harvest. Maybe you're working towards putting that deposit together for your first house. Maybe you're hoping to get that job promotion you've been working so hard for. But whoever we are, whatever we do, all of us are hoping for something. We all have a longing for something more, but more and more, it seems that we have less and less reason to hope for this better future but let's consider some of the cases for hope. One argument, one argument for hope is that change is inevitable. There is a Persian adage which states, this too shall pass. In other words, everything will be okay in the end. No matter what your circumstances are, eventually they will change. If your circumstances are bad, just hang on in there because they'll change eventually. And at first glance, we can say that that's quite a compelling argument. We can see this as we observe in the world. Circumstances do change. Nothing lasts forever. But is is this a reason for hope? Yes, our circumstances do change, but they could go from bad to worse. And even if they do get better, they could just go back to being bad. I know a man, an an older man, who has suffered with depression for his entire life. Yes, he's had periods of relief and moments of joy, but he's never been able to fully shake that depression and still struggles with it to this day. What hope does this man have? Is Is he just here to suffer until he dies? Sometimes we talk about, you know, the peace that comes with death. At least they're no longer suffering. But then what's the point in going on? Why suffer through life if your only hope is death? Okay, well, maybe you think the reason for hope is the ability to change the world. We can get governments to change their policies. We can affect real change in global affairs. We can improve the quality of life through people, either through technological advancements or social reform. With enough effort, good luck, and goodwill, we can change the world for the better. And we can look at history and see many examples of this being true. The empowerment of women, the abolition of slavery, the civil rights movement, changing the world for the better. Yet we can also see examples where change isn't for the better. The rise of the radical right in Europe, breaking of climate change agreements, corruption of world leaders. So how can we know that change is moving in the right direction? Can we even agree what the right direction is? What authority do we put our trust in? Can we hope in human powers? Another view is that life is what you make of it. This world is a pretty messed up place. You don't know what tomorrow might bring. So make the most of your time here. Seek what gives you pleasure. Do what makes you happy. That's where your hope is. It's in the next big adventure be it a a once-in-a-lifetime holiday, that dream job, the car you've always wanted, finding the love of your life or starting a family. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that those in particular are bad things, of course not, but if we're putting our hope in them, what happens when they don't work out? What happens when you work so hard but you just can't land that job? What if you never meet the right person? What if you do meet the right person and then they they let you down? What if that dream holiday doesn't live up to the hype? And even if these things do happen for us, so often the satisfaction is fleeting. We get used to the new car. The memory of the holiday fades and the initial excitement or rush of that relationship doesn't last. So So what do we put our hope in then? So maybe there's no reason for hope. And sadly, some people have come to this conclusion, and we can see that in the statistics around suicide. Full of existential dread, forced to face the emptiness of life in modern terms, they ask the question, if there's no reason to life, or there's no reason to live, why bother? Of course, not all of us feel this question with the force that many do, but it does raise an issue that we need to look at. Well, you might be glad to hear that I think there is a strong, incredible reason for hope. And this is the Christian hope. a Hope that's given to us by God, who reveals himself in the Bible. So we're gonna look at John 1, one to five, and that should hopefully be on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So firstly, there is a God, and he is there, and he is not silent. So we started tonight talking about all the suffering and injustice in this world. The Bible gives us an explanation of why this is. You see, in Genesis, God created the world, and it was good. It was paradise. But humanity put themselves in God's place and decided they knew better than God. And that's the story of Adam and Eve. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and this led to what the Christians call the fall. Sin and death entered the world, Good things were twisted into bad things. And this is how the Bible explains why we have suffering and injustice in our world. The Bible says that this is not the way the world should be. Sometimes you'll hear people say, I can't believe in a God in such a broken world. Or maybe they'll even challenge a Christian, how can you believe in God when there's so much suffering, so much evil, and so much injustice in this world? To this, I would ask the question back, well, where do you find the reason that this is not as it should be? You're telling me the suffering is bad, and I agree, but why is it bad? Why is it wrong? You see, for me, my belief in God gives me a credible reason to call out injustice. This is not as the world should be. This is not how God wanted it to be, and this goes against God And therefore is wrong. The fall has affected everyone and everything, meaning that we are unable to create our own source of hope. Since we are all flawed, we all make mistakes, we can all be selfish or impatient, we can be harsh and unkind even with those people we love, and even we can ignore injustice. We can ignore injustice in this world either because it's too hard to solve or just because it's convenient for our lifestyle. Paul, one of the apostles, puts it like this in Romans 7. For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for I do not do what is good, sorry, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. I keep on doing this. What Paul is saying here is that even though he knows right from wrong, he still finds himself doing what he hates. This is because the fall has made us sinful by nature. We are flawed, we all make mistakes, we all act rashly. So for this reason, we fall short of God's standards since the Bible tells us that God is a good and just God who will not tolerate evil and wrong in this world. And this sin that we have in our lives and we commit separates us from God. And that's because we have made ourselves the masters of our own lives and said no to God and rejected Him. But even though we have rejected God, He hasn't rejected us. God is the light that shines in the darkness. In God, there is life. And this brings me to my second point. There is a power which can change me and help me or there's a power that can change us and help us you see god hasn't left us in this fallen world god has made a way for us to come to know him and be rescued from our sin and death god himself became human in the form of jesus jesus lived a perfect life and defeated sin and death by dying on the cross in fact he bore the penalty that needed to be paid for all the wrong things we've done enabling us to come into direct relationship with the God who created us and the Bible calls this salvation Jesus has the power to change lives so any struggle with guilt shame emptiness or meaningless, meaningless meaninglessness can be addressed by receiving the benefit of Jesus voluntary sacrifice for us and by living Active by, or sorry, by a living, active and ongoing relationship with God. However, we must abandon any empty pursuits or vain attempts that we have to have hope on our own terms and fully rely on Jesus. But this amazing news is when we truly grasp what God has done for us and how much He has loved us, the Holy Spirit changes our hearts and our desires so that we want to live for God. And this brings me to my final point. My presence or our present and our future can rest secure in God's care. Once we have accepted Jesus into our lives, we have full assurance that we will spend eternity with God after we die. And the Bible says that one day Jesus will return and the earth will be made right. That evil will be no more, suffering will come to an end, and those who have not turned to Jesus will face justice or we brought the justice. To those facing suffering in this world, there is a hope that this is not all that there is. That one day there will be no more suffering. One day they'll live with perfectly restored bodies free of illness and addiction. But there is also a hope for the here and now. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say that if you become a Christian, your life will be easy or free of suffering. In fact, it actually says quite the opposite. But for those of us who have accepted Jesus into our lives, we can ask God for help in our circumstances, and we know that he has the power to change them. To the man with depression, he knows that his life has meaning, that God cares deeply about his suffering, and that ultimately there will be a day that he will be eternally free from his depression. To those living in communities broken by crime, They can be comforted knowing that Jesus has and does change even the most hardened criminals. He has the power not just to change individuals, but whole communities with his love. To those whose homes and lives have been destroyed by war, there is a hope that one day God will restore this earth and bring those responsible to justice. When we are in relationship with God, we can live with the love, comfort, and peace that he offers those who have accepted him. God gives his holy spirit to strengthen us and support us to live in this world. But the Christian worldview doesn't just tell us about what happens at the end of time or after we die. It also gives us a clear uh, a clear reason and a clear guide on how we should pursue justice in the world and here and now. William Wilberforce is perhaps one of the best known for two things: his role in campaigning against the slave trade and his evangelicalism. You see, it was William's deep convictions about God which informed him about justice and drove him to campaign for the abolition of slavery. And when Jesus was on earth, he too went around meeting people's needs, not just their spiritual needs, but their physical needs. And Jesus really cares about people's suffering. We see in the Bible that he had a friend called Lazarus and there's a story in John chapter 11 Um, which you can go and read. But Lazarus got sick and died before Jesus could get to visit him. And when Jesus arrived at his home and met his grieving family, he too was overcome with grief and he wept. To those who know the story, they know that Jesus would go on to bring Lazarus back to life. But despite this, Jesus wasn't flippant or disconnected with the reality of that loss. Jesus cared deeply and genuinely about the pain and suffering brought around by the loss of a loved one. And so God cares immeasurably more about the injustice and suffering in this world than we could ever. But as Christians, we should pursue a deep care for the injustice in this world and be motivated to try and change things. I'll leave you with this question. What hope do you have? in this world? And does it stand up to critique? And if it doesn't, would you look into the Christian one? Okay, so now we have a bit of time for the Q and A. So I'm gonna invite Scott up. He's gonna help me run the Q and A. So if you've got any big questions, um, that is my number on the board, so lucky you guys, you can have it. Um, so if you wanna text in or you can just put your hand up and we'll hopefully get to you. You're gonna take that mic and I'll step out of the way and kiss it. Do you wanna leave your phone so yeah, that just if in case any questions texts. come
1: through then I can see them? Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, if you have any questions, stick a hand up or text them through. Uh, I do have one to kick us off while yous uh, get thinking. Uh, I would encourage to ask questions. I feel like that was good last time that we did that. Um, but so I'll just start uh, with one which I thought of. So, uh, so when we speak of hope, uh, it does seem like it carries a certain level of uncertainty with it, or maybe some mm-hmm. wishful thinking. Um, like if we were to say, I, I really hope someone has me around for dinner this week. There might be uh, not a lot to, to base that off. Um, but is that the same kind uh, of uncertainty that we have in this kind of hope that you spoke of? Uh, and if so, why do you think that it is a gamble worth taking?
0: Okay, so yes, yeah, so we talked a wee bit about the two kind of, two hope, well, two sort of definitions of hope that I put forward. So one was the desire for change that's maybe beyond our power, and that's maybe more in line with what you're saying there, where we... You know, it's a bit of a, I hope that the heating energy prices go down. Um, And then there's the other type of hope, which is kind of a hope that, you know, the outworking of our our work. Um, So, yeah, so I guess the the hope with desire for change that's beyond our power, it's, I guess it's a level of trust in the authority that is bringing about the change. So if I hope, I, you know, if you get to know God and you, and you get to know about God, the Bible is full of uh, stories about him being consistent uh, and being powerful and coming through for people and changing and changing. And it, the Bible is a story of his redemptive plan and bringing about, you know, uh, bringing his people back to him um, and his salvation plan. So we, I think there's a credible argument to say, well, actually I can trust in God. So this, this God is going to look after me. This God is going to save me. So. It's not really a gamble, in my opinion, you know, I, I can see the outworking of his, his love in, in history and the Bible, and also in my own life, so I can trust in him and know that he has my future in his hands. So, yes, I am relying on him and his power, um, and I'm putting my future in his hands, but I, don't, I wouldn't call that a gamble. I think that's a pretty trustworthy place to put okay. it.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's helpful. And one of the things that we looked at uh, in the last big question thing as well is that this is written down uh, mm-hmm. in the Bible. Um, it, Jesus has made himself investigatable, if that's the word. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there are um, Gospels of John, if you want to investigate that as well, which are out in the ports. Um, so I'll plug that now while I remember to. Um, how did your phone unlock? Uh, I put a code in. Perfect. It's code. Does anyone else have any questions brave enough to to stick their hand up no one will even look at me in the eye now (laughs) (laughs) there's no attempts. no um okay well i have another one here so um many people find their hope in another religion uh, which still looks like having a hope in god Uh, but what makes the hope in jesus unique
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, something I thought about in preparation, but you know, time is short and <laughs> you didn't want to be here all night. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll take, yeah, I guess there's first, there's, first of all, there's the argument, okay, an argument for a God, so we can break down, we can chat about, you know, where is the, you know, w- you know, what argument do we have to say that a God exists, And once you're on that stage, then you can say, okay, well, I agree that there might be a God. So which God? And then that's where we come in. So I guess it's a case of breaking down. What you would say is, you know, I'll take for example, Islam, for example. So Islam in Islam, uh, there is Allah who's who's God. And so, your life is spent trying to make sure you are on good terms with Allah. So you are living a holy life and trying to be, you know, through religious activity and and dedication. And there's a lot to be said for that. But, you know, you never know, okay, if you are saved. So you're working towards that and you're trying your best to to keep and live a good life and, and live a religious life. But you never know, there's never that guarantee. Whereas when we come to the Christian faith and we look at what Jesus's claims are, Jesus is saying no, no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, you will always fall short of God's standard because God is perfect and God is holy and God cannot abide any sin. And so no matter what you do in your life, you'll never earn your way into heaven. But it doesn't, but that's okay because Jesus has died on the cross, has paid the price for our sins so he will take our place, and so we can be made righteous by Jesus and what he did. And so um, that means that when you know when it comes to the end of, uh, and God looks at us, he actually sees Jesus and says, "Okay, that's, this person is holy and right." So we have this um, we have this gar- uh, this assurance that we know that we are right with God, no matter you know because we're always gonna you know mess up, but when we realize, and I mentioned that in the, in, the, in the sermon, when we realize this sacrifice that God has made for us and that Jesus has made for us, and that we accept that in real terms and genuinely, that will then transform us and we will want to live, we'll have this desire to live for God. Um, and so it's not a case of being like, okay, I take Jesus's free gift, and then I live however I want to. Um, you know, uh, actually, you know, once we take that free gift, that will transform us if we take it genuinely. Uh, and so we will live for Christ in that.
1: Thanks. That's very helpful. That aspect of an assurance with hope, which is yeah. So there's yes, so it, yeah. So in contrast,
0: then yes, we have this guaranteed assurance. We know that we are we are right with God and we are saved. Whereas in, in other faiths, that's not necessarily a guarantee.
1: Yeah. This is your last chance. Don't walk here out here and regret it. Any questions?
0: So it's completely based on the trustworthiness of Jesus. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so how do I see that come uh, true in scripture and in my own life? Um, I think, yeah, so Jesus makes big claims in the Bible about who he is. Um, and so uh, there's really, you know, some people start to say, well, Jesus is just a, a good teacher. Um, but actually, you know, Jesus claims to be God. And um, so, you kind of gotta either put him into three categories: he's either who he says he was, so he's either God, or he's um, mad because he's deluded and thinks he's God, um, or he's bad because he's trying to trick people. So there's no real other category you can put him in. Uh, and I choose to look at the evidence in Scripture and say, no, Jesus is God. Um, and so then, so then, um, yes, how have I then seen that in my own life? Um, I think. In many ways it's easy to to really reflect it's easier to reflect back on the past than it is to really know exactly what's happening in the in the present but i think one way i've definitely seen god in my life um is in i when i was younger when i was 14 uh, my father passed away um and so a, a big loss uh but that sense of peace that came with that and how he looked after not only me but my family uh uh you know my mom was left with four quite young children on her own you know the the assurance and peace that came through that that jesus was real in our lives throughout all that time and still is um and that that deep assurance that you know my dad um is saved and is with his heavenly father now you know that definitely has has been with me my whole life um and it's, it's definitely part of you know how jesus has helped me through you know difficult circumstances mm-hmm.